16 years old. Say my sister say struggle for Israel. I be Israeli yo. If my brother they struggle for France, I be French yo. If my sister they struggle for Oh, I be human being, 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 oh, just like you, just like you, just like you. Oh, I be human being, 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 oh, just like you. Just like Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on the Art Hour. And today we have with us uh, an artist coming from far away, uh, a very exotic destination and place for us, Ghana. Uh, and we have the great pleasure and honor to have with us Ibrahim Mahama. Ibrahim, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Um, what brings you to London, Ibrahim? <laughs> um, I came here specifically to give a talk mm-hmm. at one fifty-four here tomorrow on Saturday um, as part of the art forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you are an artist living and working in Ghana, correct? Yes. Um, how easy to be an artist in Ghana? Um, is it is the state supporting your work? Uh, do you have to to find your way through? Mm-hmm. Uh, is contemporary art something which is understood uh, or not? Uh, how is it to be an artist in Ghana? Well, how do you feel? About I guess it's just like many places in the world. Art is under resourced. It's not funded by the state. And contemporary art also seems to be something which is far removed because of the context that it comes with and all that and all the baggage it comes with. Uh, because with um, even with modern art and like historical pieces, you could easily just put them together within a room and just have an exhibition. But with contemporary art, it always needs the specific context and also spaces are important. But to begin with, there aren't enough infrastructure that is built for contemporary art to begin with. So it will be hard for artists, it's hard for most artists to even imagine themselves post their degree practicing as artists because there isn't, there isn't enough support. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say enough, but I think there isn't any support at all because uh, we should be at a point where the state should be supporting artists, like even with studios and like building like exhibition spaces, residency spaces, yeah, experimental spaces, things like that. So I guess it's just like many places in the world. Yeah, we artists have to struggle to somehow build things for themselves. And once in a while, they do find benevolent um, private entrepreneurs and other people. Uh, supporting. Supporting, yeah. But you did amazingly, Ibrahim. I mean, you're still doing amazingly. Uh, I saw your work for the first time, I can recall, um, in 2015. Mm-hmm. I, I, we need to do a small description of your work because through the radio it's extremely difficult to understand. So it was a huge installation uh, on the exit corridor uh, of the Arsenale, correct? Yeah, on the corridor. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was um, uh, bags uh, that were stitched together, um, and it was uh, an unexpected, uh, extremely dynamic and deep work. And as I was saying before, when I saw this work, I said, "Wow, uh, 
I don't know, this artist seems to be very young, someone will grab him <laughs> really fast. Uh, and it seems that this is the way it happened. And your career since then, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, has skyrocketed internationally. Yeah, I guess for me, the <coughs> I learned quite a lot from art school. Because I, I went to school in um, Kumasi in Ghana, the second largest city. And we have the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology there, where we have the College of Art. So we have different faculties. And we have the Faculty of Art, which has the um, painting and sculpture department under. And for a long time, we were using the old British curriculum. And then we had a group of professors Uh, younger professors who somehow uh, interjected themselves into the system and intervened in a way of somehow changing, remodeling the curriculum. In, in a positive way? In a very positive hmm. way. Because first the curriculum was very conservative and very traditional in a sense that students who were studying painting could only work with, let's say, canvas and then paint and then traditional mediums and then their works because there was a tradition of it because if you're a painter, you expected that you make a work that resembles a traditional painting that would go in a traditional wall space, either on a white wall or, yeah. But we also realized that it was important because the <coughs> there was a lot of history that we hadn't taken into account from minimalism to post-minimalism, conceptual, abstract art and all, uh, expressionism and all that. And those, and also the, with the birth of photography. Mm. Yeah, all those were very important. And in our history, within the arts curriculum, a lot of those were not part of it. Yeah, so it's, and also with the birth of contemporary arts, it made it even a lot more complicated in the way that we could think about space. Because normally we think about work artists when they're in art school they have to think about their practice the work the, and then that work fits into space so all the artists are being thought to make great paintings so they'll end up in great galleries or great museums mm -hmm. but because of the gap within our history because it's also in our history we had uh, post-independence and before within the colonial period there were a lot of uh, infrastructures it's, that were built British colony yes. and they it's finished kind of 60 years ago Yes, yes. Yeah. We had independence uh, 63 years ago, mm -hmm. 1907. So there was a lot of infrastructure we had inherited. Independence, post-independence, there were many infrastructures that was also built, but a lot of them were never used, were abandoned. So we, the, our question has always been that, how can spaces somehow Been used. In, yeah, in, like influence artists in the objects they produce. Mm -hmm. So not just as really you sitting in your studio and deciding to paint a subject. The subject matter in itself can be the work to begin with. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, so rather than making a painting and just going to hang it. So that's where the ideas of the sax came from, realizing mm -hmm. that the sax had gone through all these different spaces and all through these different systems with, yeah, with the histories. So now, looking at the material of what the What they sax, were sacks uh, carrying, uh, what people were carrying with these sacks usually? Uh, money, food, or? Cocoa, because Ghana is the second largest producer of cocoa in the world. Mm -hmm. But before, uh, uh, now, but in the 50s, In 60s, Ghana was the largest producer. So a lot of the, uh, the infrastructural projects that were done in Ghana were even done with the money that was generated from the cocoa. So if you see a piece of building that stands there, 
you can never really you we never really think about the relationship between that and something as common as a being yeah so for me i'm very much interested in the residues how those residues contribute towards the building of spaces mm-hmm. yeah and so you you find all these thousands of bags mm-hmm. and uh, you started stitching them together yes by yourself no that's impossible <laughs> no. i mean uh, <laughs> there were some thousands of, of of sacks there. Yeah, the, yeah. So how did you find support <laughs> for friends and family? And, uh, no, how did, no, in the beginning I was working actually because I was a painter originally. So when I started experimenting on some of these forms, I used to stitch the sacks together myself because I needed to understand mm-hmm. the specific form I'd wanted mm-hmm. to work with. Mm-hmm. But in time, as I started installing the work, thinking about that in relation to specific spaces, and how the work, the formation of the work could be, I realized that it was important to get people involved in the production of the work. So to further complicate the work, I started working with migrants in Ghana who've moved from, let's say, rural areas where the commodities and other things are produced, but they end up in the city to find greener pastures. Ghanaians or from other countries Ghanaians, mostly. Mostly young women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a problem that has been from in my opinion has been it's been there for a long time and I see it's more like this plague that has to be ended mm-hmm. in a way that when young people have to migrate to other places and sleep in the streets just to make ends meet. Whereas most of the communities they come from maybe it's very impossible for life for them to sustain life there because they aren't the government doesn't really invest enough into mm. rural areas and things like that so i was very much interested in that in the beginning mm. in a way of how that labor form could somehow expand the way the work could be seen because they are not professional sewers so when they sew it because of the the gaps and the labor conditions um, that comes into the work. It somehow allows the work to breathe more, to breathe more and it allows for more failures because when I install mm. them on the buildings and then the wind blows, it mm. cuts through part of the work and then the, it starts to animate uh, the structure in a way. So it was very important in as much as practical. And sometimes the weather conditions are quite tough. Like, uh, and I've seen you dressing whole blocks of buildings like the Charlottenburg in Copenhagen. Yes. Uh, another extraordinary uh, installation that was reflecting uh, on the water as well. Yes. So it has, a, for me, it had the transition, uh, more movement there mm-hmm. incorporated. Mm-hmm. And uh, do, do you still work with uh, women like that? Or do you do you have big teams of people that you work on a permanent basis? basis depending on the project or how does it work yeah. i saw somewhere i read sorry uh, that you you did some work uh, you sent some work out to be done in um, in southeast asia of stitching or this is a completely <laughs> false information <No>. fake news <laughs> fake, fake news okay <laughs> <laughs> No, the work has evolved. Uh, and I sorry, and I thought that it was happening in terms of challenging globalization <laughs> as a term at large. No, no I think okay. maybe it's something that you saw regarding sometimes uh, like sending the material, let's say, to Europe for exhibitions and trying to get le- uh, my collaborators or studio assistants to go and then they're denied visas, things like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's happened a couple of times, but other times we've succeeded. Um, when I did documenta <coughs> two years ago in yeah. Athens, I was trying to get 
my assistant's visas to come to Athens to work with us in a said Tagma Square, but it wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. But it later was possible surprised. to get... As an Athenian, I'm not surprised, <laughs> unfortunately, I have to say. <laughs> yes. No, but it wasn't through the Greek... Yeah, it wasn't through the Greek embassy. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just, you know, it's part of the Schengen. So if you're applying for... And it was because it was... Documenta was be, between Germany and Greece. We needed to get a Schengen visa from Germany that covered also Greece. Right. Yeah. And then moreover, the letter comes from Germany because of Documenta's headquarters in Kassel. So I don't want to go to discussions about <laughs> colonialism in this aspect within Europe. <laughs> okay. So it was a whole, yeah. So, but in the end, we managed to get the visas. And and you managed to do the work. And I think you find work. lots of work from Athenians. Yes. I saw lots of people in, in, in the center of uh, the parliament yes. square at Syntagma, Syntagma Square. Yeah. It was one of the best uh, projects I had ever done in a sense of the community mm. that was in Athens and the willingness and the generosity of most of the people that I worked with. Because it wasn't just St. Agma that we did the work in. We also went to this, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, the Polytechnio. Polytechnio, yes. Yes, and then the also... Polytechnic University. Yes, University. And then... Which the has a very heavy history, history with a dictatorship. Yes, yes. yes. Yes, I remember when I first came to Athens to stay for Documenta, it was the year before, sometime in November, there was this... 17th of yeah, November. November. Yeah, we went for this uh, march that took almost like 12 A hours. Week. No. The whole day. <laughs> it took the whole day yeah. and it, it ended up with the police firing tear gas. Oh, so and you everything. had a full experience I'm of telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, I did everything, but once the tear gas started coming, I just disappeared. <laughs> I was like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> well, it was a welcome to Athens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we just heard uh, the first song, which is Human Being, mm-hmm. Just Like You. Uh, why did you choose this one? A song uh, you love? Yeah, a song I love. And the uh, artist, One Love, the Kobolo, he's a really, he's a good friend and also... Um, I don't know, he's just a very creative musician in a way that he composes his music and his the way his music is distributed and all that. So he's someone that I quite admire in his creative ability. So so when we go to the next track, before mm-hmm. we come back with uh, Ibrahim Mahama, Fong Bois, huh? do I say it correctly? Which one? Give me pinch. <laughs> Give me pinch. <laughs> Give me pinch. <laughs> <laughs> Listen how the fans just they scream, oh, 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 Charlie give me pincho, 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 Charlie give me pincho, 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 Charlie give me pincho, 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 Charlie give me pincho, 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 pincho. Is this all a dream? 
Then I borrow the magazines Now I know they fit to keep up with the ones that they in Are they in? Child, I know they think so Them they out of them my mind, loco Motion sickness from sicker moves Thicker grooves, Charlie this proves Hard work, they pay off Limelight too bright, used to light off A high rough, oh my, her thighs soft Raise her up high, I loved up in my loft Raid her tomb with no homo, Lara Croft Wanna rise, make them my eye red Jollof, Wolof, Nangadev, Swahili, Asante Sana Sana, Asana, na ye no Morgana Oh mama, yes she good you don't want the hammer Can't be here now and do nothing, Obama Be like we a dream, the things we they work for, fight for, live for, die for Chalebio One house on the mountain, house in the city And one house by the sea, yo We they travel around the world, meeting lots of girls Listen how the fans just they scream, oh Oh, Chale give me pincho Pincho, 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 pincho Chale give me pincho Pincho, 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 pincho Chale give me pincho Pincho, 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 pincho so here we go, yo, here we go, yo Fucking boys bust up the scenario Old school, they got a gold coins, my Super Mario Pure breed with all the girls want to marry, yo Cause when I jeans, we wet that my kiddies go carry, yo Funding our families, funnily, that's how we roll Cause our money, fucking with you, yep, that's how we know Make I show you how to have a good time, look my watch The time is now for us, the balls up my crotch You only be fizzy drink if you think you can Get in the way, I know my fits, Dally stick to plan Now we there yet, there bet against We say if we get there, it no go beating when I spare jets Are you scared yet? Oh, Dally live Free and happy, cause you go fight all your life for your people, they go kill you for nothing in the end. Gotta be like we a dream, oh. The things we they work for, fight for, live for, die for. Chalebio, one house on the mountain, house in the city, and one house by the sea, yo. We they travel around the world, meeting lots of girls. Listen how the fans just they scream, oh. Oh, Chale, give me pincho, 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 Chale, give me pincho. Make you never wake up if you they live your dreams. Reality be too loud for us to hear you scream. The pinching cause I they feel um this no be dream or we deliver um exactly the way we imagine um if you believe um you go achieve um one love shun the pinching cause I they feel um this no be dream or we deliver um exactly the way we imagine um Charlie we are doing what we love and making it and you too can ah too can <laughs> So we just continued talking about uh, Ibrahim's experience uh, in Athens. And um, Ibrahim, what is the message that you try to pass uh, to people in foreign countries like Copenhagen, Denmark, when you dress up a whole 
building a whole block with these uh, sacks that carry the tradition of Ghana? <coughs> well, first to begin with, I don't. Th these materials are not Ghanaian to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, because they are made in India, in mm. Bangladesh, and sometimes in Brazil, and then they are transported around the world. So normally, when they are taken to countries where commodities like cocoa and other things, co coffee, are produced, they brand them, and then they would either send the commodity with a bag <coughs> to Europe, and then the bag comes back, or the bag stays there, and then it's discarded. But when the bag stays back in Ghana, then because the bag can only be used once because of the price the value of cocoa coffee on the world market is not as valuable as let's say things that are produced locally like rice maize and other things so those who inherit the bag now have to use it to transport locally produced food that they feed on and that is used again and again and then there are marks that are put on it the mark the bag takes on new lives until it almost falls apart. So I'm interested in it at a point when it's falling apart because at that point it begins to reveal actually the character <coughs> and the system that has been inherent within the within this age of globalization and all that. And for some reason, uh, people always, um, when something is so old, they feel like it has to be discarded. But for me, I think that is when it actually starts to relive because at that point, it's almost like um, it's almost like uh, it's been through a certain time travel, you know. It's accumulated all these mm -hmm. histories, and it has all these um, uh, 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 time shots of different moments, which are captured within the character of the surface of the material. So, by taking it and sewing it together with those specific labors and covering those buildings, I think there is. It, it prompts us somehow to relook at not just the material, but the objects that it covers and what system actually produces those mm -hmm. specific, yeah, infrastructures. Yeah, so, and for me, it's also important that the material moves from one structure to the other because once it moves from point A to B, it somehow... It, Something new? Yeah, it, con it, it somehow takes the, the, the spirits, the soul and the residues of the space it embodied before and brings it into this because imagine that one bag <coughs> is used to they, they put uh, cocoa and other things in it but this time you're sewing thousands of bags to somehow cover it an entire building so if the bag if the building was a bean how would that be in relation mm. to this new material which is somehow at a point of collapse or decay so i think it's just a point of reflection of thinking not just about the aesthetics that art comes with but also the political conditions of production systems and all that and how mm -hmm. we can somehow intervene or move modes of production yeah. yes mm -hmm. and uh, we have focused mainly on the bags but yeah. you have used uh, many materials yes. uh, that carry culture and history and tradition mm -hmm. and memory mm -hmm. Um, one very good example is your recent exhibition you had at uh, the Windhorse in, in Manchester. Um, what was called the Parliament of Ghosts. Yes. Correct? Uh, why Parliament of Ghosts? Uh, who, who are the ghosts? <laughs> the ghosts are not just <coughs> things or ideas from the past, but they're also unforeseen potentials 
all things which are yet to emerge. The Parliament of Ghosts was a work I had been doing since 2014, 15. Because earlier when I was a student, I one of the ideas was to go around different sites and collect objects and materials. And one of them was the railways in Ghana. So I used to go to collect drawings and all kinds of objects. And I was collecting all these old train seats which were used in the trains in pre-independence, post-independence period. And um, to build this theater, which was part of uh, an institution, a cinema and a studio spaces in Tamale that I've been working on. Um, and when the project in Manchester came along, I had proposed actually transporting these trains to Manchester from Ghana. And it wasn't possible because of some bureaucracies in Ghana. So I somehow rewrote the proposal and I decided to propose the Parliament of Ghosts in a way of <coughs> bringing not just the seats to build this parliament in the center of the gallery, which would allow the audience to use the work whichever way they wanted. Mm -hmm. But secondly, to bring cabinets which were produced in the early 20th century in 1901, which was a combination of wood that was brought from England and also wood that was used in Ghana. So almost 120 years later, how do you relate to this material which has contained the sweat and labor of workers in the railways, both British workers who came to work in Ghana within that period to the independence period and the post-independence that the railway somehow... So, so it was a, not an interactive exhibition in a kind of... A uh, experiential yes. you were experiencing the objects yes. uh, you were adding your uh, energy into yes. it and you were interacting with it transforming it basically into something new exactly so is is it something that it's touring it's touring it's gonna go elsewhere uh, after Whitworth it, it has you have uh, organized a, 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 journey, <laughs> a, journey. a long a longer journey um, in, for, for other locations as well for yes. this work yes there is an exhibition in uh, Holland next year which is going to feature this work um, and also in Ghana there is an institution I've been working on SCCA which we opened in March which was focused on uh, doing retrospectives of older artists um, and also like opening a cinema and other things. So I'm actually building the Parliament of Ghosts also within the institution as a central part of it. And it's a permanent mm. installation which is going to lend itself to performances and then lectures and then also as a theater space and all mm. kinds of things will happen within it. So when each time I make work, that goes abroad. I wish try as much as possible to make sure there's a, a significant aspect of it back in Ghana, which can be a use. Yeah, used. Mm. Yeah, people can experience. Yeah, yeah, a use. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go to the next track. Amaki Dede. Amachi Dede. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and back with you. Very sorry. Apologies. Uh, I, I will work on it. <laughs> no, it just is the is the ky. It's not really common in uh, English. So it's ch mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back with Amachi Dede. <laughs> and you're breaking my hammer. <laughs>
We're talking about the journeys um, of uh, your work mm-hmm. and the tradition and the history um, that they carry. And we were discussing also about materials, but also in your White Cube exhibition uh, two years ago. Yes. Uh, there were many books and doors you could uh, pull mm-hmm. and, and explore and photographs and archival material from the history of Ghana. Where do you find collects and how long does it take to kind of, it's, it's an ongoing process that you have and a huge archive somewhere in Ghana? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been collecting archives for a long time. So, for instance, at some point I used to spend time just going around looking for old factories and industries which had collapsed and they were somehow throwing things out or selling the things and I would buy maybe their collections of their company documents and albums and like photo albums. You'd be surprised sometimes that kind of things that they throw away or abandon. Um, I collected some materials from like the geological survey department, from the libraries, um from i work with these guys from the scrap yard so they go around collecting all kinds of objects for me that people would ordinarily throw away because i also had an intention to open like an institution Mm. which is a combination of both modern contemporary art archaeology like cinema like residency spaces exhibition spaces and things like that so earlier on i had wanted to start collecting all these things so i could use as a basis to build the institution and this is institution is moving forward yes actually yeah we opened the the first part of the institution is called seca savannah mm-hmm. center for contemporary art mm. and we opened it in is uh, the most the first institution of contemporary art no not no. the first institution of contemporary art but in the north Mm. Yeah, of Ghana. Um, we, yeah, so we, when it was open in March, we dedicated it to an older Ghanaian artist, Mr. Kofi Dawson, who's been working the last six decades. He's about 79 years old. So I worked with my colleagues at the university in Kumasi, where I studied, and uh, with uh, one of the artists, Bernard Akwe Jackson. We curated the exhibition of the artist, Mr. Dawson which was really like not it's it's almost comprehensive of his life's work because he was very experimental uh and he is one of the very few artists within his uh generation that actually dealt with a lot of different mediums and formats of of his like work so we'd wanted to use that as a starting point for opening the institution and we tried as much as possible to focus a lot of our energy on school kids because at that age when you introduce them to ideas and then drawing sessions so periodically we convert the the ex, the institution into like a classroom and then we do drawing sessions and things like that and it really helps it's really somehow cultivated a deep sense of passion creativity, creativity. understanding and opening yes. up in ideas yes. and yeah. You know how older people are. Like sometimes our minds are made up already. So, but if we are dealing with children, the ability for them to grow and to somehow appreciate and understand it a lot more is higher. So we take our chances with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Building up a new generation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the best thing one can do and yeah. contribute. So you feel that you're you you're using basically your international um, success and all this that. that 
it has given you to contribute back to your country and provide to the new generations and by cooperating also in teaching history. Uh, the history of Ghana, correct? Yeah, it's it's important. But for me, it's not just using the international repute. Like, for instance, my galleries are also very generous. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, recently, uh, White Cube donated some cinema projectors to the institution mm -hmm. because we're next year in February, we're going to open up a new part of the institution which actually has these cinemas. Uh, so I've also had... Some like, big black ones. Yeah, like just cinema <laughs> spaces, open air yeah. cinemas, closed mm -hmm. air spaces, because we don't have that. We uh, Ghana in the like in the eighties and before we had a very good cinema culture, where people used to go and watch films, and it doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. because all the cinemas collapsed, and then they were turned later later into religious centers. Right. So for me, in my work, what I'm trying to do is that I'm trying to somehow go back. Sometimes I always think that Ghana had a golden age and that was the time of independence, the time when we actually found ourselves as a country and we said, this is what we are going to do and this is what the generation coming next. Where it was a strong vision and vision. you wanted to build. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there was, it, it, I feel like there was a certain sense of failure. There was a certain sense of collapse that happened within that period. And always people are trying to say oh but Ghana is doing well we we can do this and that but I think until we go back into that moment and we really find we really address what was lost within that period mm. it's be very difficult for us to somehow refabricate a, fu a certain future so for me I like to work with past the memories and other things but at the same time in a way that has extreme potential for the way that we can rethink about the future Let's go to the present, or mm -hmm. let's stay in the present. <laughs> the Venice Biennale, mm -hmm. uh, which is finishing in a couple of weeks' time or something like that, yes. a month maybe. Um, it was the first time um, that Ghana um, participated at the Venice Biennale yes. in Italy. Uh, it was a, a group show uh, curated by Nana Orofiera uh, Aim, correct? <laughs> And uh, it had many Ghanian uh, widely um, acknowledged, I, I would say, I knew the artists participating uh, with, with great, great work, uh, such as um, John Akonfral, Elana Chui, Lynette Yadom. Watch. Eh? Yeah. I did. I said it right again. Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying the names. Uh, <laughs> great, a, a great team of artists and a great pavilion. Yes. Uh, and I had the opportunity to speak with a couple of artists, and it was uh, a climate of euphoria, but at the same time, uh, a concern. Uh, of the future, will this continue, or what exactly does this mean to participate at, at an international um, event uh, like that? So, what yeah. are your thoughts, your feelings about the participation in the Biennale of Ghana, and uh, what is your vision, perhaps, for the future of this kind of? Yeah, so it's uh, something that we spoke about. Yeah, again and again. I remember I even spoke to Lynette about it, about this, and even John. We spoke about it briefly about these kinds of like large-scale exhibitions, mm -hmm. particularly on this international stage. And you know, Venice, it's important, but at the same time, at certain, because if you think about the amount of monies that countries have to spend on producing exhibitions in Venice, 
and then equally to what that amount of money can do with regards to let's say reinforcing artistic practices and values in their own countries it's there's always some kind of a conflict there because if you go to if you if you're coming from england or in spain and other places where the states or there's been a lot of investment in the art sector where there are many museums there are many art schools there are many things that happen and they spend a lot of money yeah it's it seems to be justified in a way so for me that was my criticism that the way if if we're spending money on doing an exhibition like this it really has to reflect on the on artistic practice within mm -hmm. the states uh, because we need artist studios we need exhibition spaces we need experimental spaces we need funds that artists can access for productions we need funds that can allow artists to collaborate with scientists agriculturalists engineers and other people to produce we ideas need more resources to produce yes. rather than to promote at the stage exactly this is what I understand. Exactly. Right. So, so this is the feeling. Yes. So at the same time, it gives an opportunity. It gives a voice to the Ghanaian artist. Exactly. Uh, abroad. Exactly. So it's a, it's this kind of a, a paradox that you have to deal with. But at the same time, you have to. Um, it's a necessary f concern, so that we understand that there is a lot more work to be done, and the 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 work that actually needs to be done is how we can empower the artists so they can go ahead and produce to somehow to be able to develop their works and ideas to at the highest level of form. Yeah. Did uh, the participation of the Biennale opened up a little bit uh, the minds of the state officials in relation to contemporary art or or not something at least obvious <laughs> at the stage? I don't, from, from my perspective, I don't think so. Yeah, mm. these things they are not as simple as they are. You know, mm. you just don't organize an exhibition like that, and it changes something. I've, I've organized <laughs> a few, and I know that things are never yeah. as simple as they yeah, seem like being. It has to be, and especially yeah. when the politics are more complicated. Exactly. we were talking. Yeah, yeah, it has to be part of the everyday. Yeah, we have to be able. If we are doing exhibitions like this in Ghana every day periodically and people is like it's in their face you know we have institutions that have been promoted yeah that's it, when actually it has to be incorporated. Yes, incorporated into the life of people mm -hmm. but venice is so far removed from everything yeah because venice at the end of the day um the art world consumes itself you know you're going to find the same old people going to venice but a lot of the uh, uh the more than the 99% of the 30 million Ghanaians who are in Ghana, they are not ever going to experience it or even understand the significance of something like this. But if exhibitions of that magnitude are organized in Ghana periodically, but it's also those exhibitions cannot also just be organized like that. You have to somehow incorporate, you have to build a system into Do art schools. Do you have schools. a Ghana Biennale? No, we don't. I think it's the next step forward. More, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now the most important thing is somehow investing in young creative infrastructure and young creatives, and also somehow looking at the historical materials that we have in terms of artists who've practiced, and somehow re-looking at their work and recontextualizing their work in relation to the present. Yes, that is a very important aspect. If not, it's be very difficult for people to really understand the basis of what contemporary art is built on. Yeah, there is a base that you need to know. Yes. <laughs> it's good to know if you want to do yeah. uh, good steps towards the future. Yeah. Uh, Kunimo? Kunimo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Kunimo. a fantastic uh, high life 
musician. Mm-hmm. He thought, yeah, as music in the university. I remember when I was in university, I did a, there we had something called a VC course. It's like a, a supplementary course that you do. And I, I chosen guitar. Yeah, and he was uh, teaching us guitar. I didn't last long in the class. <laughs> I ran away after a bit because yeah, I, yeah, we had one class with him, but he had other people like assistants who were teaching us. But I felt like they were impatient; they were going too fast, mm. and I was like, I would rather go and do acting or something. <laughs> I I quickly ran away. Fair enough. Yeah, but I have many friends who studied with him, and they were brilliant. They. They played, I had a guitar, but uh, in the end, I I'm just a very good aside. listener. <laughs> I'm a very good listener. So I'd like to go to Kinibo and uh, back with Ibrahim Mahama. Yeah. <laughs> Death is everybody's business. Oh, 
And it seems, again, that the time is running very, very fast and we won't be able to cover the thousands of things that we would like with Ibrahim Hama. And uh, I will have to go to the very standard question, but also very important. Uh, Ibrahim, when, where can we see uh, your work at the moment? And where can we see your work uh, next? At the moment, <coughs> the last work I had was at the uh, Withworth, mm-hmm. the Parliament of Ghosts. Yeah, and it just ended. Mm-hmm. 
So currently in the UK, I don't know exactly where. Not in the UK yeah. internationally. So the the Biennale is going yeah, on until November. Yeah, yeah. Venice Mid-November. is still up. Mm-hmm. And I have an exhibition in um, in Chicago mm-hmm. as part of a group exhibition with the uh, Sullivan Galleries, which is part of the Art Institute uh, in Chicago. And um, I think that's it. But these days I'm more focused on like developing the institutional spaces in Ghana. So those mm-hmm. that's my main focus. But I have some exhibitions coming up next year, one with White Cube in June in Bermondsey. And then um, uh, with the Sydney Biennial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a project with Fiesta Gates in Chicago. And then I have the Highline in New York. And then, yeah, many other projects, yeah. How many children are at the moment uh, in the institution in, in Ghana? No, we work with schools, actually. Okay, so, so they're kind of they're coming yeah, and... Yeah, they come and go, mm-hmm. yeah, but... Mm-hmm. There are a lot of students that we work with, so if we can organize workshops that can contain, let's say, two or three schools in a day, and then we do it for a while, we stop, we, we start again. Ages? Ages between the ages of uh, six and then 12, yeah. But we're also starting to expand the program to look at high school students and then also work with University students already were working with university students with regards to the production of the mm. exhibitions mm-hmm. because that's also one responsibility that you have to give to them because mostly getting involved. getting involved so they actually get to really understand the, what it takes to build an exhibition on a certain level and also with the depth of work that goes into it and um, we got some of the students to work with us as a national service um, in Ghana and many p- some places in the world after uni you have to serve the state for a year so the idea is to be able to at least expand the program so we can not have just artists but architects and then engineers and other people to work with us for a year so they can have the chance just to experiment and then develop is the angle work. you briefly mentioned between arts and sciences yes. bring bring the disciplines closer yeah, together exactly uh, the last uh, track is uh, fella kuti Observation is no crime. Yeah, you have to say the Nigerian way. Observation is no crime. Observation <laughs> is no crime. Observation <laughs> is no crime. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I'm a born failure. <laughs> failure is good. <laughs> <laughs> My Greek is good. <laughs> uh, why did you choose Fela Kuti? I know, he's an extraordinary artist. Mm-hmm. You know? He's just, um, yeah, he's, he made a lot of important tracks. And also just his spirit, yeah. I think when I choose music, mostly it's not just for the lyrics, but it's also just for the personalities and the characters that made some of those songs. And I don't know, I think he's one of the most extraordinary musicians we've had in our lifetime, so. Is one of your mottos in life, observation is no crime? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, observation and failure is no crime. (laughs) Well, you need to experiment and have the strength in order to fail. So you definitely learn out of that. (laughs) Ibrahim Ahamam, thank you very much for being uh, on the Art Hour with us today. Uh, Giving us, uh, sharing with us vision. Uh, an ambition for Ghana, uh, the, n- the forthcoming generations, and what is more to come in yeah. this world. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>